I was called unprofessional. I was yelled at. Uh, and this was not by my client, but it was by the buyer. Um, and he said, I hope I don't hurt your feelings, but uh, you are terrible at this. Welcome to our podcast, Real Estate Happenings with Nan and Company Properties. Ready? Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Real Estate Happenings. You've got Andrew and Bob here ready to tackle another real estate topic. This time we're taking this thing international by letting you in on some of the good areas to invest in around the globe. So let's dive in, Bob. What are three main things someone should have before thinking about investing, in your opinion? Three main things someone should have. Uh, you have to have a little bit of money and a, a, a plan and a direction to go uh, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you on uh, the money. I think the plan and direction are things that people oftentimes uh, or oftentimes don't have a good feel for. So I get a lot of people who say, okay, well, I have money to invest and they have unrealistic expectations of what type of returns they could get. And then also thinking about an exit strategy is really important, whether you want to hold it for a handful of years and get rid of it, or if this is something you plan on keeping for uh, you know, the inevitable future. What are some of the things people would often use investing properties for, Andrew? So there are a number of things that you can receive out of an investment property. I think most of the time people are thinking about cash flow or appreciation, but there are other items like taxes and depreciation that are not always accounted for uh, when you're looking at what type of benefit an investment property could have in a portfolio. So I think it's important to zero in on, um, you know, again, what the plan is and what the focus, what's the objective of having the investment property, um, not just for the sake of saying, I want to buy a property to buy a property. And sometimes you can, if you're doing something that would be used as an Airbnb, then that's a great way you can buy your own vacation rental and have it pay for itself and then you schedule your time to go visit that whenever you want to go and somebody else is actually paying for your own secondary home. I think it, uh, you know, in terms of buying an investment property and expecting it to generate cash flow or income immediately, it depends because it really, um, it depends on how much money you're putting down because I can make any property cash flow if you have a big enough down payment. That's a good point. And sometimes I think the cash flow numbers are, can be skewed if somebody's putting 40 or 50% down or they're paying cash for a property, then you've got a $3,000 a month cash flow coming in, but you've got a while to recoup that initial investment before you're really coming out on top. That makes sense. So Bob, how have you personally helped a client invest somewhere other than Houston? Uh, gosh, I've done. Uh, I've been doing this for over 17 years, so I've done work uh, all over, all over Texas. Uh, I've done uh, investments in uh, the Austin area, Central Texas area. Also worked on some projects in New York, uh, South Africa. Uh, I have one now that's in the works uh, in the south of France as well. So uh, everything is very international now. So it's very easy to have clients that are looking to invest in another location, especially an exotic location. Once again, if they're going to Airbnb it and things like that, that's become a big trend in uh, revenue in real estate these days. 
for myself, uh, I have helped more on the consulting side, investment side, rather than the straight brokerage side with others looking to invest outside of Houston. So previously, uh, when I had worked in finance, we had looked at uh, one of the largest retail centers in San Francisco, right in the central business district. Uh, that project was upwards, I believe, of $100 million. And recently, I had helped a couple uh, oil and gas finance guys invest in a $40 million project in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, it's a pretty up-and-coming area, but helped them with some analysis in terms of if it made sense to invest in this new condo complex uh, that is being built starting next year. Andrew, what do you think are the best cities to watch for investment opportunities in 2019, and why do you think they would be good? So I think any city that has the demographic changes in terms of increasing population, increasing um, incomes are big focal points, I think not only this year, but all the time. Uh, also, I think areas that are immediately adjacent to really expensive areas will do well. I was talking to um, a friend and business a partner who has just moved from California to Arizona. Uh, he's moved to one of the most western counties uh, in Arizona, close to California, but he has seen really, really strong uh, volume in terms of sales, but the appreciation has been pretty crazy in the past um, even six or 12 months just because people are looking to leave California and head over to an area close by um, with a lot more cost savings in terms of living and taxes. Um, so those are what I would look for. Uh, and of course, Houston is a great city as well. Um, it's a very stable market, but compared to the other big cities in the country, it is one where you can generate strong yields um, at a lower price point. So Bob, what are the benefits of investing in Houston? We've talked about some of the other cities around the country and around the world, but what about here home in Houston? One of the great things about Houston is that it's, it's a, a good consistent growth in some areas of Houston for investment property. Uh, like I said, I've been, here, I've been here since 1981 in Houston, uh, and I've seen some areas just consistently grow and grow and grow. Uh, it's a location, location, location thing. If you if you find a good property in the right location here, uh, I have clients that have m multiple properties that have done well over the years. Um, you can find good price points, strong rental market, uh, and the city is growing. So it's uh, it's a great place to invest. There's no doubt. I would air uh, a lot of what Bob had just mentioned in terms of the benefits for investing in Houston. I also think it is one of the more stable markets, so you won't see the appreciation fly, but at the same time during downturns like 10 years ago or in 2007, 2008, you didn't see the market fall off a cliff either. Um, even with the fall in oil prices in uh, 13 and 14, um, the market continued to, to hang on and do well, uh, even through 15. So I think overall it is, uh, you know, it's a stable market. Like Bob said, it's a strong rental city. So 
Yeah, it's, a, it's a good place to invest for sure. In your thoughts, what's more beneficial, Airbnb or renting? So I do have some personal experience with this. So when you look at it on paper, um, the Airbnbs will generate higher rents than a long-term rental. However, I look at it more like an active investment versus a passive investment if you have a long-term renter in there. There are um, logistical things you need to take care of, like stocking any supplies and managing your cleaners. Um, so there is work involved with it. Uh, I would think most people um, kind of overlook those aspects given there are a lot of um, small details that end up popping up while owning an Airbnb. Um, and then of course you got to deal with your neighbors and HOAs and if it's even allowed by the community. So I've seen examples where um, a number of guys I know had gotten into a little bit of trouble for using properties as Airbnbs when they technically shouldn't have. Um, so there are a lot of small details that should be considered or um, will pop up as surprises if one doesn't do their, their proper homework. There's a lot of hidden things about Airbnb rentals, but if you're in a location that allows it and you have a decent property uh, and you're not afraid of maintaining that property and restocking, as Andrew said, uh, maybe have someone to come in each time and clean it so you you know somebody to help you take care of everything uh, i know people that have these units all over the world and they'll have a property manager in a certain location that handles everything to do with the property um matter of fact i'm, I'm leaving in a few weeks to the dominican republic have a friend who's had a, a property there for several years and he rents it out airbnbs it out and it pays for that property and then he goes and vacations there whenever he feels like it so it's uh it's a great way to do it under the right circumstances. What do you think is the easiest and fastest way to get your money's worth with an investment, Bob? I don't know if there's anything easy <laughs> about it in real estate. Uh, one of the quickest ways that a lot of people like to go for is, is a buy-flip uh, situation. But the, what we're seeing now is people are going to uh, investment clubs, these real estate investment clubs, and so then uh, people are told, well, find a property for $150,000, spend $20,000 to renovate it and sell it for $600,000. And it just does not work that way. Uh, very challenging to find a property in a low price point that you don't have to spend a lot of money on. And then many times you're priced out of the market and the property just sits there and doesn't sell. So a lot of people get into trouble. You have to be very careful about trying to make quick money in real estate. Real estate is best viewed as a long-term buy-hold situation, uh, waiting for values to increase while you have someone else hopefully helping pay for your property. I'm gonna agree with you there, definitely. Um, fast money is not easy money. And uh, there are a lot of things that are changing in the environment in terms of the competitive landscape that has really pushed down the margins for these properties. So uh, if your entry point isn't correct, you could really get burned pretty easily. Um, I've experienced this a little bit myself. Um, definitely didn't make as much as I thought with a few renovations that I've done. Uh, and then I've also seen this on the building side. So if somebody's building from scratch, you'd assume that they could put together a house and uh, nine to 12 months and 
uh, should make a pretty sizable margin, but representing a buyer, I uh, had burned a builder pretty badly. They lost upwards of $450,000 on one property. So there aren't so many guys that have the balance sheets that, that can withstand those types of hits. Um, but definitely it is something that you gotta be careful about and really do your homework and be, uh, be cautious with the numbers. Andrew, have you ever invested in a property and what was your experience like? Yeah, I've renovated some homes and then uh, it was definitely an interesting process. Um, you know, I talked to some of the, the biggest builders and highest end builders in the city and I told them my experiences with having properties broken into. Um, I had one house got flooded. Um, it got flooded before Harvey. So when Harvey came, I knew exactly how to take care of all those issues. But uh, it was a situation where somebody had gone into the house and they'd taken the stove, which was fine, but they also tried to take the fridge. And when they tried to pull the fridge out, they left the water line running. So we got a call in the office saying that this property had water coming out of it. And so I ran over and went through uh, a lot of fun times with the police coming through and trying to, to find the, the criminal I ended up getting caught. But uh, nonetheless, I was out a pretty good chunk of change. Uh, so kind of going in line with what we had talked about earlier with looking at real estate as a more long-term uh, investment, I've kind of shifted my focus on looking for properties to, to buy and hang on to for the long run. Um, what about yourself, Bob? Uh, I've had some experience building townhomes uh, and financing those myself. And much like you, it's a, it's a very difficult process uh, to get into. One of the things I learned very quickly, uh, the only licensed people that construct your home are the plumbers and the electricians. Everyone else can just show up, You're the, the framers, the, the um, slab people and all of that without, you don't know if they're really trained or not. And so the key is you have to have uh, people that you know are very good uh, and experienced and that are consistently doing good work. And that's where I think there's a lot of flaws in the building industry here is that people are just coming in from all over and trying to build. Even though we have uh, the city and permitting process, they can't catch everything. And there's a lot to building, and it is very easy to lose money if that project is not built on, on time. Uh, it's hard to push uh, people to finish your construction sometimes, and if you get behind, especially depending on the type of loan you have, uh, you can really eat up any profit that you hope to have. So I learned some valuable lessons, uh, and I think most people do when they get into real estate. They, they make some mistakes, and you realize, if I'm going to do this again, I, I've learned what not to do. Uh, but I think it's worth it in the right circumstance to tackle those big projects. You just have to make sure you do it correctly and have the right people involved on your projects. So, um, In terms of investing in other cities than your own, where do you stand there, Bob, and what are your thoughts? Uh, it depends on what you're trying to, to accomplish, but you can take advantage of going in and investing in a city that's having really strong growth where your rate of return might be better than in the city that you're in. So there's definitely can be advantages to that. There'll be disadvantages as far as logistics. You'd have to have people to manage for you. But people do that all the time. It's very common. The other thing I would say that's good about 
in a different city, once again, if you wanted a vacation home or a second home in Hawaii, you could buy a property there, rent it out for the most of the time, and then just come in whenever you wanted a vacation and have someone else pay for it. You see, that's the, that's the beauty of it. So you can go anywhere in the world pretty much and do that. I think in addition to um, investing in your own city, by looking at other cities, uh, you also have the ability to diversify your portfolio. So you mitigate some concentration risk by, um, by doing that. But of course, like you mentioned, the logistics side of things is always challenging. So finding a good property manager would be really important. Um, it's, it's a tough business in itself. So uh, I haven't come across many property managers that do a very good job. But uh, if you can find one, you got to hang on to them and take care of them for sure. Yeah, and I think that addresses uh, the next question, which is how do you manage a property in a city that you don't live in? Uh, it's uh, You have to have somebody on the ground. You have to have boots on the ground to help you uh, with it, people that you can trust and uh, that can oversee it for you. Don't you think, Andrew? Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, Got to have somebody local. Um, it's hard to find people that will, will do the job and do it well. But uh, it is crucial to have those guys um, if you want to make an investment and have it uh, you know, turn out to be a strong investment for the long run. So Bob, do you have any crazy stories that you'd like to share? I know everybody's got their own experiences and seeing as you've been in the business for quite some time, I'm sure you've got something good to tell us about. Crazy client story. Um, well, the first thing that pops into my mind was uh, I had a closing once. Um, and the, my client was a professor and, uh, the other party was an attorney, very intelligent, well-educated people. And I had told them we're closing at a certain time on Friday and you have to be completely out of your house. Everything has to be ready to go for the new owner to take place. And I went over at 10 o'clock in the morning, we're supposed to close at four in the afternoon and they still had not moved out of the house. <laughs> so we conscripted people that were driving by that had trailers and we hired them and i stayed there all day in a suit and helped them move out of their house and, and we were out and we closed on time for the new owner to take possession that day that was one of the craziest moments i've ever had in real estate what about you andrew well since last time we got together i did have another pretty crazy story happen um this was a guy who actually purchased the property as an investment he comes into houston um, every so often from out of the country and he decided it makes sense to purchase a property ended up having some difficulties with his property manager and we got an unsolicited offer from a neighbor um, so going through the process it was uh it was already a challenge given the buyer and uh, when we went to close of course um, my seller was out of the country had everything taken care of uh, with a notary um, and when we went to close uh, i was called unprofessional i was yelled at uh, and this was not by my client but it was by the buyer um, and he said i hope i don't hurt your feelings but uh, you are terrible at this. And I said, no, of course not. This doesn't hurt my feelings. So I have pretty thick skin. 
um, but you know ended up laughing it off at the end of the day got the deal done um, so that was my most uh, I would say interesting conversation with somebody who wasn't even my client um, so that has happened since our last podcast <laughs> Well, that is it for episode 13. Um, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to keep coming back every Tuesday for a brand new topic. And don't forget to follow me on social media at Houston's Greatest and Bob at Bob underscore J underscore Jones. Thanks for listening. I didn't even know my Instagram handle. That's how up on things I am. Hey!